You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and it's another women's special tonight. I've got three female guests on tonight. Um, so... First of all, we'll bring in um, Vivian McLaren, the chair of Scottish Women's Football. How are you, Vivian? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm great, thanks. I'm uh, talking to you from the sunny claims of Nottinghamshire. But yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for uh, asking me to come on. Oh, that's good. You obviously know that your um, um, chief executive um, came on earlier on in the season. Oh, did um, you? Uh, yes, Aileen uh-huh. uh, Campbell. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, she was on um, earlier in the yeah, season. Yeah, I did so. that actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, so it's good to promote the the women's game, and um, we've got an, a, um, a a media representation, um, up and coming journalist, uh, freelance journalist, uh, also from the Celtic State of Man, State of Man, a State of Mind podcast, getting my words out tonight, and um, BBC and Body Red Rose commentator Amy Canavan. Amy, welcome along. How are you? I'm great, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm really, really delighted to be here. From the less glamorous Dalkeith, to be honest, everyone's at least a little bit. I don't want to really say not, and I'm sure it's exotic, but compared to Dalkeith, it's um, it's a little <laughs> bit more exciting. <laughs> you get to get on a train. I just like, I'm just here. <laughs> I've been confined to my room all day <laughs> for work, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then on speaking to you people. So this is um, tremendous. And and last and last, but by no means least. Um, Aberdeen fan um, of Twitter fame, um, Carol Ennis. Carol, how are you doing? Thanks for coming oh, on. Thank you. Thanks very much for inviting me, John. Yeah, fame or inf- infamy, probably rather than fame. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you, you certainly um, like to cause a stir um, on Twitter from now and then. You're um, quite—I wouldn't say you're shy. <laughs> no, but that's what it's for. So, um, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I didn't realise quite the impact that, that uh, I would have on Twitter, I have to say, but uh, it's been quite interesting, shall we say. Yes, Twitter is certainly an interesting place and um, it's certainly this last week has been very interesting for at least one story in football. Um, we have to start off with a rather controversial um signing made by Wraith Rovers Football Club and we've talked a lot about PR disasters throughout the season but I don't think there is one quite as bad as this. I don't know which one's worse, the signing in the first place, the statement they put on the Tuesday or the reversal on the Thursday. It's just an absolute minefield. Um, Vivian, where do we start with this? <laughs> where do we start? I, I think... Um... I think I, I'm a, a big fan of Val McDermott. She's a, a lover to bits and uh, she's really supportive of the game. And in December, she called it out that she'd heard rumours that this was going to happen. And she said, if this happens, I will withdraw every single bit of support I have. And, you know, I think the feedback was that's ridiculous. Don't worry about it. So to actually see it happen, I was astonished because I followed the case previously. Um, and when, when client uh, signed him, I was like, what are you thinking? Uh, and people are saying, oh, it, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't as much um, backlash when he signed for Clyde. I think there, there, it was. It, I think, you know, someone asked the what's the difference? The interim period is Me Too movement, where men, you know, where brothers, dads, cousins are all like, wait a minute, that's not acceptable. So I think that, you know, this happening 
And then what really got me was that the the community foundation up there spent so much time building themselves up in the community, so important in the community, 148 girls and women. You've then got the boys section, the amount of great work that they've been doing. And then, you know, we had these horrendous um, situations where parents were taking their kids out, they're taking their boys out, um, you know, that the captain resigned. It was just the most ridiculous decision. And what gets me is that, you know, it seems to be that football, it doesn't matter what you do. You can do whatever you want and you're still a role model. No, I'm sorry. You know, it's not like, you know, you've heard, uh, you know, the, the Livingston manager very openly say, I made mistakes when I was younger. I really did. And I want to help young people learn from my mistakes and, and move forward. And, and, and here's what I've learned and, and the lessons I can, shared, can share. He didn't, you know, the, this signing didn't get him with a bad crowd and nick some cars or, you know, petty theft or do stupid things. Sexual assault, rape of a woman is a whole different thing. And it's not something you can go, do you know what I've learned from that? And if you read all, read all the stories, you know, the girl was unconscious to the point the taxi driver was like, I need to get her home safe. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's just ridiculous. And I think that, I think to put goals ahead of the values of the club for me was was the most astonishing thing. Like who takes a step back and says, look at our community, look at our fan base contributing, look at the sponsors, look at all the support we've got. Who makes the decision to say, do you know what? No one will mind about this, it's fine. And quite rightly, and I think thanks to me too, more people, more, I, 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 don't, think, I don't think I've seen anyone, you know, for this signing more people came forward and said, that's not acceptable. You know, that's not acceptable. So, I mean, I don't know who was advising them. I don't know who was doing their PR. You know, I work in marketing. I'm just like, who's doing their crisis PR? And when the statement came out the next day, I got sent it. And I was like, what? You're digging your heels in? Honestly, I, I think for me, men's football has been very silent. Uh, around this uh, individuals not so you know you've got individual players and whoever else supporting whatever but the whole of men's football haven't really spoken about this and uh, I think there's people I read that there's a lady who resigned from Wraith uh, because of this and she's now not getting her job back because of it um, so I just think it's an absolute disaster and it just doesn't say much about the girls and women that are so important to communities to sport you know the 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 people that run the girls and women section I mean they were in tears you know that the whole squad was in tears it was terrible but we managed to get them flipped over changed their name to McDermott ladies and they participated zero tolerance inspiring to all of us uh, but I just can't get over the decision makers and, and, and I personally feel my personal opinion is that the only reason they've u-turned is because they have lost so much money. I don't think it's because they're like, oh, we made a mistake. Well, they're going to lose a lot of money because, ironically, the big winner in this is going to be David Goodwill. I worked out um, from one of my friends who sent me what the wages he's on. He's got a two and a half year contract at the age of 32. So his payout will be around about the 150,000 mark plus um, potential expenses. <laughs> can, maybe, can maybe give it to his victim then, since he didn't give it to her the first time? Does he declare himself bankrupt? Yep, they got declared bankrupt so that he didn't have to actually pay out. 
And the thing is that what part of that, what part of the community and what part of Wraith Rose fans think that this U-turn was because they thought they made their own season? It absolutely wasn't. Tag Games pulled out, Val McDermott pulled out, people cast their season tickets, they pulled out from the pain direct debits. They've added that up and going, oh, Mm-hmm. That's and, and that's my personal opinion is mm-hmm. that absolutely is purely financial. I think the people on that board who made those decisions are not in tune with reality, and frankly, just I don't know what they're doing. Exactly. I mean that that's the the way I'm looking at it is that you know they've they've looked at because they came out on the Tuesday the day after the mm-hmm. signing. And they didn't backtrack then. You know, they were sticking by their guns. It was almost a big two fingers up to everyone who was talking. And as you say, it was only come the Thursday where the backlash was even more and it just wasn't going away. They thought, right, we better do something about this. But now they're in trouble. But what gets me is is that the chief executive who was speaking to the Valley exam to give them those assurances as a woman, that makes us even more baffling. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... Certainly the feedback that I've had from people who have spoken to her is that she was absolutely not for this at all in any way. So it sounds to me, and I don't know, that there were members of the board who a majority of the board voted in favour. And I think two board members stepped down, maybe more than that. So reading between the lines, it looks to me that maybe she's not had a vote or she was outvoted because certainly the feedback I've had from a variety of people is that she was absolutely not wanting to do it. But as you say, Vivian, I mean, the whole, I mean, people were saying when he played for Clyde, there wasn't an outcry. There was an outcry when he went for, to Clyde. But the whole thing was he should have never played professional football again. Yep. He's in a position where, because people say, what about rehabilitation? But yeah, rehabilitation's fine if you're not in a position where you're in a sport where young girls are coming into contact with you and young girls look up to footballers. Young girls want to be with footballers. They see this lifestyle, they want to be with footballers. You should have never played professional football again. I mean, when you've been charged, okay, it wasn't a criminal case, it was a civil case, balance of probability was that he was charged with it. That should be it. Sorry, your, your professional football career is over. Um, if you want to go and get another career, if somebody's willing to take you on, that's fine. But as a professional footballer, no. I mean, the week before with Mason Greenwood, which was bad enough, um, you know, horrific thing going on. And um, what kind of message is it sending out? You know, it, it's just sending out such the wrong message to everybody that, you know, you can do this crime Never mind the victim. She's she's kind of like not important in this. We'll give you a professional. I mean, there's you saying, John, you know, he's what, 150 grand. He's going to come out of this better off. At least. That's just his weekly wage we're talking about here. Plus, it's um, yeah, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And Wraith Rovers will take years and years to get over this. This is not going to be, it'll get over it in the next couple of months. You know, this is going to take a long time for them to, to heal from the wounds of a stupid decision, which was purely made on the fact that somebody might score more more goals than somebody else. Did they never look at the balance of probability of signing this guy? Is there somebody else we could sign Hmm, that's maybe a bit less controversial? No, let's just go with him because we think he'll score more goals. Just the wrong decision. Graeme Spears, I saw, wrote a piece about, you know, give a break. And the thing is, rehabilitation, Rehabilitation occurs when you hold your hands up and you say, I've made a mistake, I am sorry, and I admit he has never 
ever, ever done that. Ever done that. Like, you can and, and, and if you look at the, and if you draw, and if Rape, Rape Crisis Scotland posted some stats, if you look at the stats of rapes that actually get to a criminal court, it's absolutely appalling. Yeah. So the fact, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't convicted because she was unconscious. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't wake up and go, you know, she didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So the, the amount of evidence that you have to present in these cases is ridiculous. And there are tens of thousands of women out there who have probably experienced the same thing who have not spoken about it. Yeah. More a slight on our legal system than, than anything yeah. else. It's like you say, a judge still found him, you know, to have raped a woman and that is it. And I, I totally, you know, echo the, the sentiments that you, that you both said. And it is a PR disaster, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is still just a, a woman got raped. You know, and that that is the bottom line. Um I, I really agree in the sense that, you know, Wraith came out and says, you know, this was an unfortunate episode. Exactly what Vivian said, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago when, you know, the rumours all came around, and as as you pointed out, John and Carol, we're all on Twitter. We all see it. The rumours have been rumoured for a, for a long time. And the outrage was initially there. And it came, you know, Val McDermott, the most powerful source, basically, to come out and speak. And she said since, obviously, that she was assured. So to say that this is an unfortunate episode, you know, it's not a mistake. The same way that, you know, David Goodwillie's crime was not a mistake. You don't change as a person. To me, you don't change as a person. And that's why I don't believe in rehabilitation and this kind of crime. I and per, perhaps it seems a little bit contradictory, but the, you can't compare this to, to David Martindale because, as we've said, he came out, he's admitted to his mistakes, and also it is, it's getting in with the wrong crowd, this kind of thing. No, you have raped a woman who was unconscious, and if anybody hasn't read, you know, um, the, the the court proceedings and the case, I would urge you not I've to. Read it. Extremely yeah. harrowing. It is extremely it harrowing. Is. Um, and if, in fact, if you can read that and you don't come away disgusted, I would actually question your own kind of mentality because that is a tough, tough case. Um, and you don't change like that overnight. And I know it's been four years, whatever it is, but for him to never, you know, show any kind of remorse, which yeah. he never has. And even still, he's remarkably quiet, as we say, the declared bag- bankruptcy. There's, a, there's a, a string of events here that's kind of taking place. And all you can do when somebody's not speaking, which Goodwill isn't, you paint a picture of their persona. And from my perspective, again, it's personal opinion, but it's not a very, you know, remorseful one or uh, a changed man in any any manner of the means. And what do you think it is? I mean, you know, these guys live a privileged life. They're doing a job that most young guys would kill to do. You know, play football, get paid for it. You know, they've got they've got a nice lifestyle and all this. But what is it that makes them think that they can do this sort of thing and just get away with it? You know? Yeah, it's a complete it's complete disrespect. And I was speaking to someone I know down south um who's worked in football down there who said to me appallingly and said if you said you think that's bad in Scotland, the culture down here is worse. I said, what do you mean? And he said, in in football, uh, there is definitely a, a much worse culture than there is in Scotland, as in women are just not respected. And I'm not saying obviously that's all. know up. about it. Yeah. 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 They said it's a, a million times worse. And then the things that aren't appearing in papers, the injunctions that are being yeah, out. Yeah, they get shut down very quickly. Yeah, and that's that is all that is doing is protecting perpetrators. And I, I just don't get it. Like men's sport, men's football need to stand up and say, do you know what this is about? Because I tell you what, 
the men's clubs that are suddenly wanting to invest in their women's teams that have put not a penny in for the past, you know, I've been in the board since 2014. Some clubs are investing, the most, most of them aren't. But now they think that they can maybe generate extra income from the women's teams. You'll see that, oh, it's really important now. It's not about that. It's about what, do, how do you regard women's sport? Do you support and, and, and acknowledge the skills uh, and the support that you need to give women and girls? And for me, that needs to be there, you know? And I don't think that many men's clubs actually truly at the heart have that. Some of them do. Some of them say they do. But when you look at it in more detail, you know, I remember uh, we were down seeing Baroness Sue Campbell, who runs the FA from the women's side. And she said to me that when they um, were getting clubs to apply for the WSL at that point, you had to, I mean, it was a very in-depth process. You had to have your business plan, your marketing plan, your coaching plans, your squad, every single aspect, you know, of running a, a club, which is a business, had to be there. And she said, you know, the financial plans obviously very important, budgeting over that. And she said, you know, a lot of clubs did really well in those bits. She said, but the final bit for me was I went to meet, if they're associated with a men's club, I went to meet the board of that club to assess their commitment to the women's game. And if I felt it wasn't there, they didn't get accepted. And one very well-known club were rejected at that stage because she went to the board and she's like, you don't really care. Yeah. You're just looking to make money. Yeah. And that for me is vastly, vastly important as the, as the game grows in Scotland as well. People have to be 100% invested, seeing this as an equal opportunity um, for, for women and girls. And a lot of clubs do, a lot of clubs don't. And I think that is flipping back to David Goodwillie, you know, I just don't understand how the the safety, the and the and the understanding of what women and girls have to put up with didn't come into the equation. And for me, that's a club that doesn't care about women and girls in football. Yeah. They don't. Do you no think way. a lot of them is tick boxes? We've got a girls team tick box yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I I do. I do. And you know, some of the the, the clubs that don't tick boxes and are hugely committed, you can see that straight off. You can see yeah. the ones that are just doing it because they think that right, yeah. we better do it. CSR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like CSR. It really is, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, there's obviously a lot of uh, bridges to build, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Goodwill story is just, um, you know, it's just incredible. And, and, and uh, it brings you back to the Gordon Strachan comment. Um, football doesn't have any morals and when you think about cases like Marlon King who um, sexually assaulted his girlfriend as soon as he got out of jail clubs were queuing up to sign him Chad Evans alright he um, eventually won his appeal but he was still a convicted rapist when clubs were queuing up to sign when he got out of jail there should be a law in place that just say um, if you're convicted of any type of sexual assault or murder you do not um you know, play play for a professional club. It's it's as straight as simple as that. Because footballers, whether they like it or not, are role models. They're role models to Carol's kids, my kids. They're role models to everyone, and they need to set an example. It is not an example to go out and rape a, and rape a girl who's unconscious. That's just unacceptable. No, yeah. exactly. I, 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 yeah, you like you. You still got obviously close to home. You got Craig Thompson. You know he's still you know playing his trade. I think he's still at Cowdenbeath right now. Um, he went out to Lithuania. Obviously, 
worked out well, managed to get his move back to Scotland. Kelly Hart, he went somewhere else as well, I can't remember. Um, but I think he's at Cowdenbeath. Um, and like I say, it's a very, very local case. Grew up knowing of it. So I'm very, very aware of um, the impact it can have on, you know, young girls. Like I say, I'm, I'm only 21. I was extremely aware of the Thompson case at the time. Um, and it just, it sets, a, it sets a terrible precedent of how you, you know, go about your business. And kind of, you look at the way that, you know, um, that, that Thompson's kind of there, there's not been any kind of out, there wasn't the outrage around Thompson getting back into a, in, into a game into a career um, you know kind of the, the signing at Kelly Hearts went really rather under the radar I think because perhaps because he went out to Lithuania but that doesn't make it right just because you move you know in, into Europe it's there is a there's an entitlement as we say but there's a a blinkered kind of attitude in men's football and I think that's kind of what, what we're referring to that you can kind of get away with murder. Yeah. I mean, I, I got um, I got slated last week on Twitter about uh, Lee Griffiths um, saying, you know, would we have had Lee Griffiths play for Aberdeen? And I said, well, he's never been charged with anything. Okay, morally, Lee Griffiths was wrong. He tweeted a, or texted a girl that he thought was over the age of 16. She admitted later on that she didn't tell him how old she was. My daughter's 16. Um, I'd be absolutely horrified. But I know that girls that are 16 can look 1819, but he's never been charged with anything. You know, the police dropped the case. There was, you know, she she kind of came out. But I got absolutely slated for saying it would have had him because, you know, he's a pedo. It's like, well, he's not a pedo, and it's not the same thing as Goodwillie. Goodwillie was actually charged with a crime, um, albeit in the civil court, but he was still charged with it. He was found to be a rapist. Griffiths morally bankrupt by a 30-year-old texting a 15-year-old, absolutely wrong. Um, but I think there's differences. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I actually, sh- I think I saw an interview uh, with that girl whose life was pretty much ruined for a, a period. She got trolled. I, I'm sure, I thought she had told him. Anyway, I mean, in football, though, if you're under 18, you're a child. You know, you know when we're looking at child well-being and, and, and you know, anything under 18 is a child. So, yes, it's absolutely, look, I think, I think the behaviour, you know, when I was when I was, you know, going out in, in Glasgow, you know, you used to see, you know, Ali McCoy, Steen Durant, all that out in the clubs, but they were really good fun. Like they were just really funny. You never felt like creeped out or anything like that. They were just a right laugh, you know. And we didn't have our phones in those days. We had like, you know, cameras. That's how old I am. Um, but I just think nowadays, I think there's this undercurrent and I don't know. I just don't understand how, as you know, whether you've got kids or not. You know, my dad, you know, two daughters, you know, he, we know more about sport and football than most boys that I grew up with because we just loved it, you know, and all that. And my dad just can't get his head around anyone disrespecting women. He can't get his head around. He's like, why would anyone do that? But this undercurrent in football has to be addressed. It's like gambling and it's like gambling and uh, alcohol. We, at women's football have absolutely rejected any of it, any sponsorship, because you know, we've you know, we've got a vast majority of registered players are under 18. Why on mm-hmm. earth we want to be pushing messages like that out there? We got slated for that. But you'll find that in a couple of years the Scottish government are consulting, it will be gone. Yeah. And the clubs will have to go, oh, you know, where can we look? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying, you know, as a marketer, I'm not saying that gambling and football isn't, you know, it doesn't work at times, but there's a lot of people who it absolutely destroys lives. There's just so much swept under the carpet and it's like, no, we'll just carry on. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, 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 we'll carry on with this culture of gambling. That's fine, even though it's causing a lot of heartache. We'll carry on with ignoring, you know, it's about equality at the end of the day. You know, over 50% of the population have some respect for who yeah, they're absolutely. dealing with. That's what it boils down to. And it makes me absolutely furious, as you can tell. Sorry. With regards to the Lee Griffiths thing, Carol, um, the main reason I wouldn't say it's got nothing to do with um, the incident that he was involved in, because as you rightly say, he wasn't convicted, nothing ever came out, out, out of that, um, although he is getting tainted for life. The reason I simply wouldn't take him is because I don't think his attitude is right. And yeah. his record at Dundee was terrible, and he's at Falkirk for a reason now. Mm-hmm. Good luck to him at Falkirk, and if he gets Falkirk promoted, then it's a good move. But I can just see this boy heading the same way as the likes of Derry and Gary O'Connor. That is a pure reason I don't want yeah. him at Aberdeen Football Club. And it's up here, that is, you know, it's ab- if you've not got the right attitude, no matter how talented you are, you will not make it. And there, are, as you say, there are screams mm. of players who were the next big thing who just can't cope. And are, are and aren't conducting themselves in the right way everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, on to the next. Um, we're talking about online stuff, and obviously, you know, the way I I see it is that um, women tend to need to prove more, you know, to get themselves um, respected in football. Amy, do you think that's a, a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. Like that's just bread and butter of kind of being a woman in, in men's football. I feel. Um, I think you've got to prove yourself more. You've got to be. A hundred times more on the ball, basically. You've got to be quicker, you've got to be more accurate. You cannot make a mistake, there is no room for error. Um, So, the extensive hours do go in. I know I put in ridiculous, it's ridiculous amount of hours. I'll put in compared to like my my male counterparts, even at this stage, I'm so, so acutely aware of it. And there is just no room for error. You have to go that extra mile. I think if you want it enough, you would naturally go that extra mile. And I do think that I'm just kind of that driven person that I would go anyway. But there's no room, there's there's not a day that you can slack because it'll come back and bite you in the bum. Um, and I'm so aware even at these early stages of my career that I will constantly have to just put in the time, put in the effort. Because if you want to be anywhere and respected the same kind of way that a, a male is respected in the game, you've got to double their workload, you've got to double their knowledge. Um, and yeah, you've just got to be so sharp, so sharp. That, that really that really upsets me because talking to to both of you, I'm just like, wow, you know, these are strong, intelligent women. Why do you have to prove yourself more than than, than a guy? And that really annoys me. Really annoys. Oh, out on it in a second. You know, mm-hmm. I will be caught out on Twitter. I'll be clipped. Um, just on the old fun facts podcast, and that's what we were talking about actually. That I've been on Kerrydale Meltdown twice, and it's not even because I said anything like ridiculous. It was just it was a mistake, and that was it. And it's just like, what about the guys that have just made twenty mistakes the other day? Somebody who I was on with talking about Far Hill, we were obviously playing at Far Park. That wasn't clipped. Imagine if I said that. My dad actually messaged me during the show and went, "Tell tell him it's Far Park, not Far Hill." Um, because if that was me, for everything, I wouldn't have known, you know, which is which. It's so obvious. It's, it's, it's because she's a girl, she doesn't know She doesn't know who plays where. So difficult, yeah. isn't it? It's so difficult to get around. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you can say something as well. Like, so I said about Lee Griffiths, got absolutely slated for it. And how many men said exactly the same thing? Exactly. Didn't get slated for it at all. It was a case of, nah, we wouldn't want him because he's not as good, whatever. But there was nothing like I got for it. Nothing. No. And it is it's complete. And I, I made a mistake today. I got two of our players' names mixed up today. And it was jumped on, like, within five seconds. Somebody put 
I don't understand your tweet. You're speaking about the same guy. And I was like, oh, it's wrong. But by that time, like four people had kind of liked his comment. Oh, like, made a human really? error. You, like, need, you need to call it out, girls. You need seven o'clock in the morning. Up. I was half asleep. See, it's interesting because I was reading something the other day that was like, uh, you know, because when I'm hiring people, I, 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 I literally couldn't care less. I don't even notice if it's, you know, I don't even notice if it's a guy or a girl because I, I literally, I'm, it's so unimportant to me. I don't care. I'm looking at how good they are, at, at, at whatever. But it's, I read somewhere that if, I, if a guy, uh, has got 60% of the skills in a job spec, he will absolutely apply for the job. If a woman's got 100%, they're like, not sure. <laughs> and we need to be better girls and have a bit of confidence and, and believe in ourselves, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'll say when you're talking about, you know, the, the mistakes um, from a guy to a woman, I'll give you um, a prime example. So we all remember the famous Chris Kamara um missing the sending offense and it was just that oh that's typical cam it's banner etc michelle owen did something similar at a game um on the midweek edition and she was called um you know called like stupid bent and all the rest of that oh for god's sake yeah i mean that's the thing when when uh, when people bite back on social media if it's a woman you get derogatory names you get your appearance that's a big one and um, they love to they love to pick on women's appearance because they know it's the one thing that really really gets you. Um, if guys are bantering, it's banter. It's and it's it's non um, personal banter. As mm. soon as a woman and a guy start, the guy goes straight for the jugular, and it's it's they will try and hurt you as much as they can. Um, and it, it's it, it's ridiculous. And you know, as you say, you know, the names come out. As soon as somebody starts calling me names, I know that I've won the argument. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, well, if you had to call me names to actually win an argument, you've got no argument. So, Does it hurt more when you get trolled more by our own fans, Carol? Because that, that's what I think is the worst of some of our, um, our support, being Mitch Aberdeen yeah. fans. You know, your own. It, it, it doesn't hurt. It did for a start. When I first got it, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Um, but as it's gone on, no, because I don't know these people. And if I don't know somebody, I don't really care what they think about me. And it's only people that I actually know that I can have a good argument with. As soon as they start on anything and I don't know who they are, then it, it doesn't really bother me at all because they're not important to me. So, Do, do you think, you know... Because people have said to me, you know, because when we were wee, we did every sport, like football. I still play hockey, but it was like football and ten, yeah. anything you wanted to do, you just did it. It wasn't even questioned. People were saying to me, what, what, what do you think stops some girls and women staying in sport, getting in sport, you know, starting sport? And a lot of it is actually the culture in this country where you've got some parents are like, yeah, eh, I've got a wee girl and a wee boy. She's going to ballet and he's going to football or rugby tots now. And that is, and she'll wear pink and he'll wear blue. And, and, and look, it, I don't care who wears pink and who, whatever, but it's almost like parents don't realise that they're being really <laughs> sexist towards their daughters. Because I've got friends, I, I, you know, rugby players, who went to ballet when they were wee boys and it was great for their rugby eventually. And... You know, I've got uh, friends who have got sons and daughters together that go to rugby tots and go to football. And I actually think there's a big cultural problem where, one, you've got too many totally sexist, you excluded, obviously, totally sexist men. They just don't, but they're being sexist to their own children. 
in terms of what they want and what they think their children should be like and what they should do. And that that's so alien to me growing up, but that you see that quite a lot. And that's our culture in this country. Yeah, I, I, change it. I, uh, I'm completely the opposite. So my, my daughter was um, three when she got her first season ticket, wanted to come to Pathology. And Did you very, say that to her? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're very lucky up here. We've got a fantastic women's club called West Dyke. Yeah, yeah. So Kirsty played for West Dyke. My husband was a coach and he coached her girls team for nine years. Um, and she, she played from when she was sort of seven uh, up until she was about 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been a complete opposite. We've had kind of like the girl at, and she actually did country dancing as well, which she didn't stick yeah, up. She wanted she to did, do it, yeah. Because she liked football better. Um, yeah. So so we're kind of, but, but my friends, you know, were very sort of, as you say, stereotypical girls. They'll go to dancing and they'll go to swimming or whatever. A couple of them went to the football, but they didn't like the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. It was that whole kind of like, oh, I'm going to get hurt. Oh, and it's like, no, you know, have fun. And, you know, it's all about fun. But they, they just didn't stick it. Um, Kirsty obviously stuck it for a good while. Um and then gave up, which was a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if you've got a good, um, I mean, we've, we're a good West Dyke kind of set up where they were, you know, really good with the girls and really brought them on without, without pushing it as in, you know, they didn't make it look, you have to do this and you have to do that. It was very inclusive. Even the poorer girls were included every, t- you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. every time and stuff. There was none of this, well, she's not as good to so leave her out. It was very much inclusive. So I think if you've got a good, good setup like that, a good girl setup like that, it'll involve them a lot more. But yeah, I agree with you, Vivian. A lot of parents are very stereotypical, sexist kind of yeah. It really annoys me um, because you see it. I see like people put, oh yeah, and such and such as in a pink tutu. Like my niece likes to wear, you know, joggies, a tutu, a hoodie, and a pair of football boots because she just decides what she wears. She doesn't, you know, she's like whatever. And I think, um, yeah, I, I, but I think that culture, the the reaction of men to to you guys being intelligent and making informed dis, uh, opinions, but and making a mistake. For me, there's a lot of very, very insecure men out there who don't like the fact that you're actually more intelligent than them. And, and, and oh, you've made a mistake, Amy. No, you've not. Big deal. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And um, there's just, I don't know, I'm hoping that things will change in the way that I think my generation are a lot more inclusive and they want equality, you know, and I mean amongst the males, um, that as much as, you know, I'm obviously pushing for my career in football. I think the men equally would be, you know, guys I go to uni with, they are, you know, if something happens, I, you know, online abuse, whatever, they are first on it, calling it out. And just because they know that, you know, I am just as knowledgeable, if not, and to be honest, more than a lot of them, I am a lot more knowledgeable. And that's not being big headed, it's because I put in the hours. You're immersed in it. You're immersed. Exactly. You have to be like, you can't, you, you can't go into it half-heartedly because you'll get caught out. You know, I think there's quite a lot of males in the game um, that are very still just their club orientated. You know, if you ask them actually if anything outside their own club, perhaps potentially their own league, they wouldn't really have a leg to stand on elsewhere. You know, but you ask me like top to bottom of Scottish football, I've, I've had to have it covered because they'll pick anything out, you know, and they will then, right? So it's, it's the little things. And the more you think about it, I'd love to know compared to me how many times, you know, my 
best friends at uni? How many times has he been asked, right, who was the first Scottish club to, to play in Europe? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that. And obviously, I get it right every time because I am talking 50, 60, 70 times. It's crazy. And I, mean, it's- I, hear, I hear pundits, male pundits on Radio Scotland make mistakes all the time. And I'm like, what? That's not who that player is. Yeah. So obvious. It's so if they get it wrong, it's all a little bit of a laugh, and it's yeah. just oh, it's a joke. Oh, that silly name, silly name. But if it's me, or if it's you know Jane, Jane Lewis, yeah. she's not put her research in. She doesn't know what she's speaking on. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's she on? What's she on? Yeah, right. Yes, it's um, it's just crazy what you you have to um, put up with um. So, I mean, how do you think we we need to go changing some of the the, the mindsets that, you know to make women feel a bit more inclusive? I mean, from from my point of view, I mean, see even when I see a, a female woman present, a lot of people um say that's um that's groundbreaking. I remember Hazel Arvin as a presenter on a sports scene. Yeah, that's going. not really that's not really groundbreaking. That's just no. you know someone else filling her shoes, in my opinion. I think the people who have the opinions that it's groundbreaking are the ones that have got a problem, really. Like, I genuinely, genuinely, I, I, I don't care who it is, Sloan's doing a good job. And, you know, Jane Lewis, Hazel Irvin, all Alison these Alison Walker, they've been around for yeah, years. Yeah. Years you know, and years and years. It always, it always amazes me that kind of like, um, you know, nowadays there's more of it in English football and that as well. There's a lot more um, yeah. ladies involved in English football. It always amazes me that the, the kind of attitude they get from, oh, female presenters, oh, what's, what's happening? Why are they not at home doing their ironing? And you're just like, what? Yeah, remember, remember the Karen Carney thing? Where oh, I think it was like, oh, God's sake, it's an opinion. She's is. allowed to give her opinion. I'd love to know if a male had that opinion as well, by the way, because it wasn't, you know, a, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think it was a totally outrageous take. No. Um, and I would love to know if, you know, let's just say like a, a Michael Owen, a Dion Dublin, Chris Sutton, all like the guys in the same kind of, you know, frame, uh, I'd love to know if, if they said that if there'd be that same kind of outrage. Yeah, totally. Because I, I believe the instant was that, that Leeds ended up tweeting um, that that comment. Yeah, about yeah. Her. Did they do it when it was like um, Jamie That's Carragher, it. Gary Neville the week before, no. for example? No, oh. it, is, um, it is a bit sad. That, that's like a men's club that completely disrespects women, mm-hmm. evidently. Yeah, we'll try. We'll move on to um, more po- more positive things. So we'll find out more about um, you know what, what you ladies do. First of all, got to start with you, Vivian, um, chair of Scottish Women's Football. Just tell us about um, the the job that you have got. So it's not even my full time job, although it feels like it sometimes. Uh, basically, uh, so I've been on. I joined the board in twenty fourteen as uh, media and comms director, and it was Sheila Begby. Uh, Baroness Sheila, as I call her, who uh, absolute legend. You know, she had restructured women, the women's game because it was in a bit of a shambolic state, shall we say, and uh, joined the board. And then... Am I right uh, to say she's been doing that for years because I've been reading the book Arrival by she, Stephen Lauder, yeah, great so book. Sheila, yeah, Sheila um, was the head of women and girls football for, gosh, I want to think, I want to say over 20 years at SFA, and then she got headhunted by rugby and ended up she was on the board of, of Scottish Rugby before she retired. She's retired and she's in Sweden. Uh, I spoke to her already. But she restructured the game just to, to kit because it was just, it, you know, I think the board was made up of a lot of coaches and, you know, she wanted the half the board to be football um, directors and half the board to be business. So I came in on that side. 
and I ne- I'll never forget um, saying, so, you know, what have we got? You know, what budgets have we got here? You know, what, what website, social media? There was nothing. Like, there was a there was a stick person in a shield on one page within the SFA's website. And I was like, wow, this is, like, shocking. So all the brands you see now, like, I got someone gratis, a really good friend of mine who, who actually now gets paid every now and then to, to, to maintain our sites. He did all the brands for us. So we wanted all the identities down to your your tiny kids up to your to your elite level, your Highlands League, whatever, to have some kind of be proud to play in a competition uh, of that standard. So it was really just starting from scratch, you know, building websites, setting up social media, content, photography. You know, I think we live streamed our final in 2015. That was the first time anyone in football was really doing that. Um, because we didn't have any kind of broadcast deal. So we just built it up from there. Um, and we had one member of staff at that point. Now we've got eight, um, but we are we don't get public funding. Like we are the governing body essentially for the whole of women and girls. So we don't get any public funding at all. The funding that we have is really from affiliation fees and commercial income. So we've grown our team organically through the, the money that we've generated. So um, you know, we're at the point now where we've got, you know, broadcast deals, we've got highlight show, um, you know, we've got sponsors, you know, we, we actually distribute most of the income that we generate back to the game, you know, because we want clubs to get prize money, we're, you know, we're trying to really make people feel proud to be part of competitions. And, you know, I think since I joined, I think uh, registered players has gone up about 40 or 50%. And I think you don't need tons of money to make people feel proud to, to play. So I've been chair for um, six years, five years, something like that. And, you know, it's, it's challenging. You're, you're, you're leading a board, um, you know, during lockdown was horrendous. You know, we, we had, we were having sometimes three, four meetings a week because the women's game was stopped uh, incorrectly because it doesn't sit under the SPFL. It's a separate pillar. And, uh, you know, the amount of hours and hours that we spent trying to, you know, the, the, the guidelines would come out, you didn't have to translate them. And then when you applied them to the women's game, there were so many anomalies and then you had to feed that back. And it was just, it was really challenging. And then we had to get money in to try to, to, to give the, the, the teams uh, money to help towards testing because it was £1,500 per week per team. Um, and just, you know, get everything back on the pitch, deal with BBC Alipa to make sure that we had all the protocols in place that they could go and broadcast so that people could actually watch. So, you know, it's, it's been an absolute privilege and honour to, 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 to do the role. Uh, my sister, my late sister, was a, a, she was a pretty good footballer. She played for Glasgow City uh, back in the day, um, and she died when she was 30, actually, in, in 2009, and she used to take me to, you know, her pals were like Shelley Kerr, Rhonda Jones, Stacey Cook. And I remember going to watch Joe Love, all these people play for like Air United, all these things, and then go and watch Scotland. And it was Vera Pow in those days. She was the first person that came in and went, wait a minute, you know, the girls need support here, you know, but they were all running, you know, wearing men's kits, no support. You know, so I was going to these games, you know, way back uh, and going, why is this like this? You know, so a big part of my job is actually lobbying for the whole game. It's not just for, for, for the domestic, it's actually national team. You know, when Stuart Regan was there, and he'll happily tell you that, I used to all the time be saying to him, why is that not happening? Why is Anna not getting this? Or what can you do to, to improve that? 
to the point that we we were instrumental in getting funding for the domestic players when we first qualified for the Euros. We had, I think, eight players who were in Scotland who were working. So we managed to get our sponsors, SSE, the Scottish government, to put in a third each. And then we managed to get the Scottish FA to put another third in to pay for those players to, to, to be able to train for six months before the Euros. So a lot of my job is lobbying um, and just putting points across um, all the time to, to, to try and really just better the game. And it's something that I'm really privileged to do. Yes, it's challenging. It is challenging at times, especially demoralising when you have stories that we talked about earlier on. But the good thing we can see is the growth in the game. That you know We've got people that want to watch the game. You can see the impact on the national team in terms of the players that we have here. You know, I think I did an interview in 2016 with Jane Lewis, actually, and I said, you know, in three, four years, I want the game to be semi-pro. And everyone's like, that'll never happen. Ugh. And, you know, we've got, honestly, honestly, and now we're in a position where, you know, at least two clubs are full-time pro. The rest of them aren't quite, but they're get, you know, some of them are getting there. But it's just all about, it's, it's trying not to dilute women's football. You know, the men's game is totally different. And the women's game and the way that we've built it, it's very agile, it's very dynamic. The brands are really good. You know, if you see the stuff that we put out, it's it's really energetic and and it's it's edgy. And I think when you look at some of the stuff coming out, the men's side, it's just like, oh, God's sake. And, and because I'm a marketer for 26 years, I, I noticed these things. I'm like, that's a rubbish graphic. Why are you saying that? You know, so at that, you know, so that, that having that, that viewing things, I'm constantly like, well, that could be better, you know, we need to improve that. But you know what? With no funding, we have done an amazing job and I hope to see how we can take things uh, further over the, over the next few while. So, yeah, it's not it's not easy, but I'm, I can't get sacked because I don't get paid. So, I'm, you know, I'm always knocking on doors saying, what can we do to improve this or why is that like that and what support can we give here? So I really enjoy it um, as much as my day job, more than my day job. <laughs> we'll edit that out. In terms of um, you know the challenges that you're facing just now, because I'm, I'm reading stories about the SWPL in um, in consultations with the SPFL. Now, this is just my personal opinion. If you look at the way Neil Doncaster has been running um, Scottish football for the last 12, 13 years, I wouldn't touch my bars pole, personally. Um, so does that sort of thing worry you, you know, about the um, where this could go? Or do you still think that SWF have a lot to play? I think that, you know, we run, when I first joined the board with four competitions, um, the SFA had regional league administrators that administered a lot of competitions. Over the past few years, they've all been... There's no in-kind resource, so we now manage 84 competitions across Scotland, wow. including the SWPL. Now, not a lot of people know that. So um, I think that, you know, for, for a while we've wanted to look at how we take the SWPL out of it, give it more focus, you know, bring in more revenue. You know, we speak to the FA quite a lot, but I mean, they've got like gazillions of pounds to do that. Um, I think that um, we we actually tabled the, the review of the women's game was tabled by Scottish Women's Football. We tabled it to the SFA board after the World Cup to say, you know, we need to look at actually what's going on, what money is coming in for the overall game, how can we put money in, how can you put money in, how can the SPFL put money in to improve the game 
overall. And and what's really come out of it is more uh, a change in governance, which we know. I think we were looking at a governance review before lockdown. But it seems that some of the clubs want change now. Uh, and it's not necessarily, you know, I, th- I think, you know, what we do as, as a team, you know, women and girls are at the heart of it in terms of welfare, well-being, the processes that we have, our understanding and knowledge of the game, the partners that we have. So I think you'll find that the male CEOs of the women's clubs that are in the SWPL probably would quite like to just put it in the SPFL because that's my personal opinion, because it's just easier, is my opinion. I don't think they really understand what we do. I think we've become the, the governing body for domestic football in the background and done all this great work. And now that all the great works at this point, I think if I'm honest, people are like, oh, we'll take that and 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 see what we can do with it. So um yeah, it's it's dis- personally I, I feel very uh, disappointed to be honest. Um but we'll see we'll see what happens. I think that you know, we were already planning a lot of things. You know, we're very close, very close to signing a, a, one of the biggest sponsors we've ever had for the SWPL. So, uh, you know, we've got a new enhanced broadcast deal from Alipa and BBC Scotland, which is the, the most money that's ever been put in because we've spoken to the paid broadcasters and they're not interested in the Women's Premier League in Scotland. They're not interested because... In their eyes, it's it's not quite at that level, and I would agree. I would agree to to, to a point. So, um, for me, I think the decision that the clubs need to make is is what's best for the whole game. Personally, I think there'll be clubs making decisions purely based on what they want, not on the impact it might you know the, the joining up of under nines to SWPL. So we'll see what happens. It's it's. I feel like it's a wee bit like no asset stripping, but you've we've done all this work with no investment from any club or anyone else, and it's now at a point where everyone's really interested in it, and it's all right. We'll just take that through there. So yes, we'll see what happens, but um, I think the the influence that the men's clubs that have women's teams have on it um, is probably the thing that will lead it as opposed to what's best for the game. That's worrying when you see the way the men's game's been run at times because, you know, I think men's game has got a lot of good going on the pitch, but away from the pitch, there's a lot of problems. Um, that's, again, and my personal opinion, I don't influence anyone else in that opinion. No, but I think, you know, we are, women's sport should be run by a, a organisations dedicated to women's sport. That is what it should be. And, and I'm not saying that you know, because if you look at Rangers, for example, they have their whole models integrated throughout the club. And if, you know, years ago, Rhonda Jones finished her career at Rangers and I sponsored her so she could get new boots. That's a cap, a, 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 someone who's got 117 caps, uh, who finished her career at Glasgow City, then Rangers. And mm-hmm. I sponsored her so she could get new boots, right? That's where Rangers wear four or five years ago, whenever that was, maybe a bit longer than that. So the way that they have come, where they've got to is really good, you know, but that's taken a lot of work. And I think um, it didn't happen overnight, but I just think that people need to take a step back and go and just think, think a wee bit about 
what's best for the overall game. And look, you know, I, I get on really well with Neil. Um, you know, we he's always been really supportive in, in terms of any time that, I, that we, we catch up or anything. I just think that it's main sport taking over women, the elite end of women's football and, and that really annoys me because I think that whilst many clubs have the right idea and, and they really are invested in it, there are a lot of clubs that aren't. And just as you, as you were saying earlier, they're ticking a box and, oh, well, what, 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 what revenue can we make out of this? That's what I kind of personally feel. Um, not all clubs, but certainly a few. Yeah, um, before I bring in the um, Carol and Amy, um, I just need to ask um, a couple of questions that from uh, David Smith. Amy, you know David from State of Mind. Oh, I know David, sorry. Yeah, um, so he, he asked two quick questions, though I think we've covered one of them. He says, how good is it to see a green light from the Denver ladies? You've obviously covered that, but he also says, what steps are taking place to ensure women's football in this country is beginning, is continuing to grow? Um, I think that that whole you can't be what you can't see that's very much central to everything because if you're a wee boy or a wee girl it doesn't matter who your role model is if you can see them on tv and, and i'm very much a proponent right now of free to air i think free to air is really important you should be able to watch the women's game whether you've got money or not you should be able to go to a game you should be able to watch it you know the pro 14 rugby was in bbc alapa for a good three four years before premier sport bought it I think being able to show people that you can actually be a footballer and you can have a career as a footballer is really important. And just, you know, having the infrastructure there and being able to support clubs so that they can provide that support. Because we've got a club finder on the site where it's put in your postcode and it'll tell you, you know, what your local club is. But we need to have the the resources to make sure, and, and, and in partnership with SFA, that actually those clubs and are going to provide a good high level of support and coaching to wee girls that go there. Um, so I think it's just that awareness, keeping it front of mind. You know, I, I remember years ago, I was at a, a national match and there was a wee boy had little in the back of his shirt and I loved it because that was his favourite player. He didn't care that it, it was a boy or a girl. That was his favourite player. And I remember seeing him standing with his back getting a programme signed and I thought, that's what it's all about. You know, it's about your favourite players and your role models. So, I think it's keeping it front of mind, you know, getting coverage, making sure people can watch it. People slag off BBC Alipa. No one else in the UK came forward and said, we want to pay you to show SWPL games. Not one broadcaster. And we give most of that money back to the clubs. No one else has put their hand in their pocket to say they want to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they've been improving and improving and improving. The highlight shows a really great thing too. We've got live stream from BBC Scotland. We've got clubs. You know, it's great on a, on a Sunday because I'm like, oh, they're live streaming. They're live streaming. You know, five, six years ago, it's like, can we afford to pay someone to live stream a final? That's where we were at. Now clubs are doing it themselves. And I'm like, oh, so proud. So that's, that's really important, that access. But I also think clubs need to do more. Like they need to, some clubs really need to do more. It needs to be, it needs to be a core part of what they're talking to fans about. It isn't like an afterthought, you know, oh, we're going to create one social media account for men and women. That's great, but you haven't even tweeted where your women are playing this weekend. And actually, you haven't even tweeted a score or a squad, eh, a team list, a team line. So you have to really say what you mean. And if you don't say what you mean, 
I will see it straight away and it'll really annoy me. You know, clubs need to be committed. If you're not committed, it's pointless. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, there's some things, I've, little things I've noticed is that some clubs will have player profiles on, but other clubs, it's difficult getting information on, on players, which is um, annoying from a researching point of view. Yeah. I can speak from Aberdeen um, women's point of view is that they've got their own separate Twitter too, so yeah. it doesn't get lost with the... Which Aberdeen. is good. Yeah, it's good. Bailey Hutchison, woofed what a player. Yes. I know. We've got what? some great players at Aberdeen, actually. Um, yeah. Eva Thompson actually used to play with Kirsty. Um, and uh, she, she, I always remember seeing her when she was younger. And uh, Mike, she just, she just joined West Dyke, and Mike said, Wait, you see this girl. And she must have been about seven or eight. And he said, She's going to play for Scotland someday. And I was like, How can you tell that at this age? And he went, She's just got it. And honest to God, the girl was just unbelievable. It was just like, Wow. She is really Carol, let's not talk her up too much. We don't want we want to stay at Aberdeen. <laughs> the bigger clubs taking her. Don't want Celtic or Glasgow City taking her. She's rubbish, honestly. She's rubbish. But attitude trouble. <laughs> and all seriousness, I would I would like to see someone like that go take a move to, you know, WSL down south or even yeah, over yeah. America. That's where mm-hmm. you want to because that's if you look at the Scotland national team, that's where the core players come from. Mm-hmm. Um so at the weekend against Hibbs. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> Yeah, someone on here was commentating on the Aberdeen's win at the weekend, so that leads in nicely to your career, Amy. So, so how did um, you're obviously studying journalism just now, but you've made quite a name for yourself um, for a student journalist, haven't you? I'm just really, really loud um, and clearly just don't shut up and keep my mouth. Don't, I don't know how to keep my mouth shut. I think that's um, probably been the story of my life if you ask my mum and my dad. But um, no, it's just kind of what, what Vivian says bang on doors um, and that's pretty much it I um, I saw a vacancy basically for it all kicked off Bonner Grows um, they obviously it was the I think they put out maybe the April time uh, uh, the first lockdown and obviously concerned about how we were going to cover football um, in, a, in a global pandemic and everything back then was still so like, this is crazy. I think at that time there was still, you know, oh, it's only going to be a three-week lockdown, but they basically wanted a whole new media team to, to take over, applied for that, got into that. So basically given a blank canvas, um, you know, how can you, me alongside two others, basically, like how can you, you know, make the fans feel that they are still at this game, basically. So we started, you know, doing commentary. We started doing live, obviously live streaming for the commentary. Uh, totally changed social media channels. Just had a bit of laugh. But obviously, we're in the Lowland League, so um, you do have a little bit of artistic license. It doesn't need to be bang on the money. You can have a little bit of creativity, which is so important. Um, you know, I think in the age of social media, it doesn't always just need to be, you know, let's like Brett's hit the post like that's just so boring who's going to interact with that tweet and it's all about interaction (laughs) it's so important like do you like either I don't know there's almost still I think probably in the last two years it's really improved but um before then there was almost like kind of like a hierarchy that you know we can't include an emoji in our tweet we can't include memes kind of thing you know have a little bit of laugh live a little um and I think we've just really enjoyed doing that obviously um, came into that when I think the three of us like two of us were 19 other ones was 20 so you're basically trusting like kids with a social media account with like seven eight thousand followers so we were just going to have a we did we have just had a laugh but we've 
kept it obviously you know professional to a degree we don't just go and tweet a lot of nonsense but I think it's really important to just show that you know it's not a robot it's not a robot basically tweeting this it's a person you're at the game and especially when fans aren't at it you've got to make them feel that they're at it so you know I was in an extremely privileged position to be able to in a pandemic travel the country go and see football and see live football and I know a lot of people have their say on lower league football but I love it and I always will love it I think it's a you know it's that cliche but you know folk are paying for their their bills they're playing for their bills sorry they're trying to pay play, play for their livelihood so there is there's a there's a passion down there that you perhaps don't get the top end the entitlement that we're talking about it's not there at this level but you know you're still in, in the lowland league and in bonder gross's case you've got i think five or six of our players are scotland under 21 internationalists so you're still talking or obviously previously but you're talking so ridiculously high level so um yeah all kind of started with rose and still there now and i absolutely love it and it's if i could I'll be honest, if I got paid, I would do it for my life. I would do it forever. But um, it is still on a voluntary basis. And even despite everything else, I, I've passed. I'd love to know how many opportunities for, for paid work I've passed up just because I love to go to Bonner Rose's game. Although this weekend I'm taking up a paid role instead of travelling down to Dalby because I'm not that committed. Um, but <laughs> um, that's just, yeah, they know that. Uh, BBC here it comes. So um, from Rosa, I kind of had a, I think I had a tweet. My, my pinned tweet was about Stevie Chalmers, um, Stevie Chalmers upon his death, actually. And uh, I tweeted, you know, saying that he had, um, basically, that he, he was never really got the legendary status that he, that he deserved. Um, and he scored the most important goal in Scottish football history and all of that. So I had it pinned. So happened that a guy, uh, a state of mind, the kind of they were at that time still really in their infancy. I think it's only been around for a couple of months. Saw that I worked with Bonnery Rose, saw my tweet, and the fact that it was pinned, that they were like, "Oh my God, I think she's a Celtic fan." Got in touch with Paul John Dykes, who's obviously a Celtic state of mind and a state of mind just guru. Um, and he messaged me, and then that was pretty much that. So. Got in a Celtic state of mind. I've been on that for just over a year and a bit now. I think that was maybe last last December, a year past December, something like that. Um, and then BBC came calling. They came to me. So um, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah, again, it's so... The power of social media, um, literally, the online lead at BBC Twitter DM'd me. So anybody that says, you know, you still need to put in, like, CVs and cold call and whatnot, just make sure you're following the right people on Twitter. Well done. <laughs> um, I probably... I think I'm trying to do a portfolio for uni right now, and my lecturer keeps thinking, like, oh, Amy, you must have a CV ready. I'm like, I don't a CV for anything. Um, just have a good Twitter account, basically. <laughs> Keep that clean. Keep that clean and follow the right people. Uh, and you can, yeah, you can land a little bit lucky. So from the BBC, it's been amazing. Um, you know, uh, I started out and I still do. I'm online and, and digital. So running live feeds, running live texts. Um, yeah. I really enjoy it I, I, quite a lot. I'm one of the only on the online team that's a, a female. So I do, I get to do a lot of the, the women's game, do all the Scottish internationalists. I'll, I'll run the live feed for that. Um, so again, you get a little bit of fun. And then... Um, from within the BBC, somebody um, who I'd obviously been talking to, because of course I would be, I uh, was telling them about Bonnery Grows, but commentating, and basically they were out on a golf course with the um, SWPL1 Highlights producer and said, oh, there's somebody in, in the online team that she does commentary. She's a she as well. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, from that then. So, yeah, I've done a, a few SWPL1 Highlights shows now, and I absolutely love it. 
It's um, fantastic. It's a it's a fantastic show. You know, it's only half an hour, but I think it's a really solid half an hour. You get terrific pundits. Um, I get emotional. Yeah. I get emotional seeing it. Exactly. Like, last night you're, you're listening to Gemma Face. She's you know. Well, for me, she's one one of the best players I've ever seen play um, for for Scotland, and, and I grew up, you know, just like you know, and Celtic. Exactly, she is on my team. Um, I remember, I can't, I can't remember for life. I can't remember what year it was, but just remember seeing Gemma Fane. Like it was the year, it was when Celtic used to be sponsored by Carling. Um, so you're talking probably two thousand and seven, eight, something like that. Um, but. You know the the knowledge that that they have. Julie Fleetin again. She she's in my team because Julie Fleetin is just the greatest striker I think I'll ever see um, play for Scotland for for sure. So they have a ridiculous kind of what you were saying earlier. That do do I feel that I need to have you know a, a better football knowledge? You know their football knowledge is off the Richter scale, especially in comparison. I'll be honest. It, in my opinion, to, to some of the, the, the male sports team present, um, pundits, not presenters. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a teaser for you. Who captain Celtic to a trophy and now is very integral at Rangers women? Um, at Rangers women? The captain of Celtic when Gemma was there and Rhonda Jones and Suzanne Grant and Stacey. Yeah, and Joe Love was there as well, Leanne Crichton. Yeah, yeah. So she captained Celtic, took them to, was it the Scottish I think it, I was thinking it was the League Cup, but I could have been wrong. I think it was the League Cup because she was in the front of Celtic View when she when you know they won the cup, yeah. and now is very integral at Rangers Women. Is she? I thought she was mother assistant. Amy McDonald is the correct answer. Ah, the Rangers. Yeah, Amy McDonald, yeah. the women's manager at Rangers, and she used to be the captain of Celtic Women before. I thought you were saying Leanne Crichton was in. No, no, I was saying Leanne Crichton played. Yeah, Leanne Crichton played in that yeah, side. No, it was right, uh, Amy McDonald. There you go. There you there go. There's a quiz question. That's a great question. My, yeah. my knowledge of um, Scottish women's football, um, women's football, is very limited. We'll um, help you. It's fine. <laughs> I'm learning. I've been to, I've been to three internationals um, recently, which has been good. So I'm getting there. I'm hoping to get to my first um, SWPL game soon. Oh, I, I said I promised in Emma Hunter that, so I better fulfil it at some point. Um, okay. and Amy, in terms of um, you did another do- a documentary on YouTube, um, sexism scuppered or sustained? Um, just Ooh, I've not seen that. that. Shame on you, Vivian. I did my prep. I've not seen it either. <laughs> no, I don't blame. So basically, and I'm going to chuck this. Uh, this will be Vivian. So, um, I retweet this a, for you. It's for a, It was for my. It's for my uni, the um, major project, and it's the same format. Uh, David Ronnie interviewed you years ago. Yeah, at Hamden, and for his documentary, and his documentary is outstanding, and that's the bar that I kind of wanted to match. Oh, because, a great yeah, guy. He, I remember that. Like, and he's now content exec at Everton. Yeah, and, I remember yeah. that. So he and Vivian, and it was all about kind of so everything when she was when you were just talking about, um, you know, the funding that was given because he worked at Hibs Women at the time. So there was Joelle Murray and Jenna Fife. But obviously, Joelle was fine. Who obviously, uh, Joelle just lives literally two estates down from me. Um, she worked and still works. She's everything at Hibs. You know, there's not a role that Joelle Murray does not do at Hibs. But, you know, Jenna Fife didn't um, work within Hibs, so she didn't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, 
books and uh, David's book to, to Joe Love as well, Ailey Barber. So, um, but yeah, going back to, to my documentary, yeah, Sexism Scuffered or Sustained, and it was, I really enjoyed that. It was just, it was, I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, being a, a woman in a, in a male dominated world, um, basically, it kind of all transpired uh, on the first day of 2021, uh, Bonner Rose. A Scottish Cup against Bonus United doing a live stream comment came in uh, oh Amy wish you gears peace shut up this is why women shouldn't commentate um, and that was the first day of 2021 so you know you just got to sit there shake your head it's just like right okay um, and uh, kind of like a whole episode kind of like followed after that so but it's getting stuck in the head and obviously that's not been the only one despite how short my career has been name and shame Maybe. I know I did I blurred him out and I blurred out his profile picture because I thought right media law if it wasn't in a journalistic project I'd have um, it I was would... in the public domain though exactly it was the original tweet you wouldn't have blurred you out exactly the original <laughs> tweet's still out there uh, well it's not <laughs> it got screenshotted um, and my co-commentator he um, like posted a picture of the tweet on his Twitter so it's the, the handle and the name and the picture was all still there. I think my brother sent him a few messages because my brother was like 17 and he was like, I'm loving this. I was like, all right, big man, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> that was um, kind of, and I'll be honest, the way that I'm kind of talking about like, uh, like attitudes changing amongst people my age, that was my brother right away. It doesn't matter if it's my brother or not. He just was like, no, this is not on. He knows you know the extensive hours I put in, you know, and the ridiculous questions. Like I'll prove I'm so competitive. So if he knows something, I need to know it because if he knows it, then it's it's a joke that I don't know kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I just um, I got to speak to some of some amazing. Like it is quite frightening. I spoke to Jane Lewis. I shouldn't start a list. So there's Jane Lewis, Ailey Barber, um, Moira Gordon, Jenny Clark, Leanne Crichton, um, Heather Dewar. Kevin McKenna and Graham Spears for it. So um Heather's awesome as well. Kevin's and I've kind of told the story already. Like Kevin uh, took me to the Dakota Hotel in Glasgow and we sat out on the balcony and interviewed him there. And it was just like he asked me, he's like, You've never been here before. I'm like, I'm not being funny, Kevin. I'm like, a twenty one year old student has absolutely skin. I really do not socialise at the Dakota Hotel. And he was like, Do you want a drink? And I was like, There's no way I can afford that. I um, had to go out and top up my car because like we'd been I was peeking at him for so long. So I had to go to the reception and ask them for change. Like it was it was uh, it was an amazing, amazing interview though. And to speak to, you know, like Jenny Clark, Moira Gordon. We're talking about um you know Jane Lewis has forever been on my screens. Um Jane Lewis, Hazel Irvin, Alison Walker, Hazel Irvin for me. Like I love my golf as well. So to be honest, every sport is on in my house. So like I have to love super. But golf I love and Hazel, you know, I, I saw Hazel who had a pretty similar accent to me and I thought, right, well if she can do it, I can do it. I am um, and then Ailey as well, you know, I just want to be Ailey Barber um but no I'm going to be a mechanic but um no I had a, a great time filming it um had a, a, an absolute ball if it could have been longer I would have had it you know it was ridiculous I think I've got about nine hours worth of uh, interviews and it's only a 10 minute video because oh it's a good project because you need to do some more follow-ups exactly so if, once once it's dissertations out the way there has to be because there's some you know ridiculous you know Conversation speaking to Kevin McKenna for an hour and a half that can't go on air, you know. Getting getting half an hour of Ailey Barber's time that has to be has yeah. to be. So. You, 
you need to meet Rose Riley, my pal. You need I to am dying Rose. to interview Rose. I, I can say that up for you. I am honestly just I would love to interview Rose Riley. So my I'm, hero. She's my absolute hero. That girl. I would love that. I, I really, really would love that. Um, well, so I can definitely say that up for you whenever you want. That would be amazing because I've interviewed Shelley Kerr um, for my show Soccer Supernova, which I've with my state of mind as well. I forgot about that. Um, and like I always like Shelley's favorite. My favorite story for Shelley was that she had to pay to play her first Scotland game, yep. and that's what I like. That is the, yep. one of the greatest, and I say greatest. It's not great, but it's one of the most you know influential and kind of landmark moments and. In an interview that I'll ever that I'll ever take, and I'll remember it forever. But um, no, I'll definitely take you up on Rose Riley. <laughs> She's um, unbelievable, unbelievable. The, 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 the obstacles that she overcame to do what she loved to do—you just, you, I just don't think we'll hear of anyone like that ever again. So yeah, I'll absolutely catch I'll up and set you up with that. Yeah, I think I'll need to put both your contacts to try and get some information oh. myself. <laughs> well, so much of what I do for Tatman magazine. Just go with it, she's already got Rose Riley, like, she's winning. I mean, the, the you know, Rose was a mad Celtic fan and played for the boys' yes. club, but they cut her hair. And cut they cut her hair, Rose. Yeah. And, uh, not, she didn't play for Celtic boys, she played for the local boys' club. Yeah, they wanted and, her. Yeah, the scouts, like, I want to sign him. Oh, really? And they yeah. said, I want to sign, and she came over as Ross because she was scoring goals and, oh. and the scout's like I'm from Celtic I want to sign you and the coach is like you can't it's a lassie and he's like no <gasps> no him mm-hmm. right. but how is it a lot and Rose remember, she said I remember I just didn't understand why oh. I for Celtic oh honestly she's um, yeah she's something else I've never met anyone with so much drive never even now you know she won't thank me for saying that. She's an older lady now, but she's still got so much drive. Yeah. Amazing woman. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that, that story um, was just part of that um, book arrival. Um, you know, I read that on the train up to Aberdeen. It was just a fascinating reading. It's just incredible at that time, you know, 1971, Scotland was the only European, the only, only. U- U- European nation to not associate women's football, not have a national team. And even a few years later, when they approved it, it was still not under the SFA panel. <laughs> you know, do you know what annoys me is that we, without support, were actually better than England yeah. in those days. We had no support. They went to, to a match in the back of a furniture truck van because they didn't have it. They sewed on the badges on the strips. We were better than England, Right. And then because of that ban, what that did was impact the entire development of women's football in Scotland. And people forget that. If that hadn't happened, we would be in a totally different place than we are now. Um, And that's what's infuriating, because if you look at the amount of effort those women put in, and even with Shelley and Rhonda, they didn't get paid. They didn't get paid to play for Scotland. You know, you had to take time off work and... There was people that was like, I can't play anymore because I can't get time off work. And it's like, oh, my God. I know, it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, it's bonkers. I know. Um, right, we'll bring um, we'll bring Carol in um, before you feel as though you, <laughs> you've not got a lot to talk about. So, um, yeah, no, you've been... More, much more to speak about than me. You've also got your um, undying love um, for Aberdeen. But where did, um, you know, your love of football begin? 
Um, from a very early age, my, my dad, before I was born actually, um, my dad was a Highland League footballer. Cool. Um, so I, I grew up in Rothes, um, up in Speyside. So my dad played uh, as a goalie actually for Rothes. Um, but before I was born, um, he was in a really bad accident um, where he got kicked in the back of the head actually and paralysed. Oh um, when he went, he went down for a ball and it was a, it was a, it was actually an okay tackle, um, but the guy kicked one of his vertebrae out, and that was the end of his football career. Um, but he, he's, he can walk and stuff again. You know, I mean, he was, he was paralysed for about eight months or something, but that was the end of it. But he was still into football when I was kind of born. So I kind of spent most of my childhood at McKessick Park in Rothes, mm-hmm. uh, watching Highland League football. Um, so first mem- memory is probably sitting in the stand in about 1973, 74. That tells you how old I am. Um, and getting a ball off the face. And it was the sorest <laughs> thing I've ever had in my life. Try, though. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in those days, it wasn't like the light balls that they had. Exactly. It was like oh. balls. Um, so that was, that was my introduction to football. Um, my granddad was the... Um, Social club, Rothes FC social club, um, kind of barman, if you like. So um, I used to go down and sort of stand outside and you know, wait for him when he was finishing his shifts and stuff. And then just growing up in a town like that, um, football was quite a big thing. Um, you know, yeah, and watching it, you know, I, I used to watch Scotland games um, and I was actually more into Scottish football than club football. Um, so as I kind of grew up, I would go and watch Scotland um, with various boyfriends and stuff. Um, so I was I was always down at Hamden um, watching kind of home games and stuff. I was still a bit young for going away in that. Yeah, um, and then I moved through Aberdeen in 1989. Obviously I knew Aberdeen through Alec Ferguson and everything that had kind of gone on in Aberdeen and stuff. And uh, Moved through here in 1989, um, started kind of following Aberdeen, sort of, you know, paying attention to what was going on, but I was still more Scotland. Um, and then uh, met my husband, who's a massive Aberdeen fan, has been since he was like born, because he's from Aberdeen. Um, and that was it. Um, and he's in the sort of Scottish football as well. So um, we've kind of gone abroad to watch Scotland and stuff. And he's been abroad to watch Aberdeen and yeah, we, we kind of go to games all the time and also Brilliant. recently it's been not exactly very great. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so no, I've always been, I mean, I love watching football. Um, I'll, I'll watch anything. We'll go and watch Cove Rangers, go and watch them Rudy Locos if Aberdeen aren't playing. We'll just go and watch anything. Um, what yeah. ladies football. I mean, Cormac Park literally is a mile that way. Um, it half an hour to walk to Cormac Park so I can go and watch the ladies games when they're playing there and um, play at Cove sometimes as well so Cove's 10 minutes drive away from me as well Brilliant. so it's um yeah I mean it's, it's a massive part of our lives um at the weekends and stuff and kind of during the week you know the TV's always on there's always some football game um golf kind of okay watching golf um, he watches more golf than I do. Um, rugby can't get into rugby at all. Been a rugby game, mm, not for me. So football's football's my game of choice. Yeah, I like I like all sports apart from cricket. Well, that's me. Oh, I don't like cricket. I don't do it. No, I don't oh, like cricket. the BBC. I was like, I will work on anything by cricket. Oh no, anything. no, can't get into it. No, no. everything else I love. 
It's just like a long game of rounders, really, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> rounders are so much more fun. Oh, weird. I've been to watch like players that people I know play it. A picnic, not that. I'm just like, why would you do that? I know. I've done it once. I'm like, no, not oh, into no. no. Mike has tried to explain the rules of cricket to me, and I, I no, I gave up. Offside rules and stuff like that. Fine, cricket. No, <laughs> can't get that. <laughs> Luckily, this is a Scottish football forums podcast, and not the cricket one. <laughs> there's, I don't think you there's a market like, for that in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so no, that's so that's me in football. Um, I mean, we've been pretty lucky. My daughter. Um, who, as I said, played football, um, was actually um, Niall McGinn's mascot at the 2014 Cup final oh, um, that we won. <laughs> all the trophy yes. won. So um, that was a very proud parent moment as she walked out onto the Parkhead turf. And uh, yeah, that was, that, that was a very proud moment seeing her there. So she adorns very many posters with the lineup with her in it. So if you ever see a poster... And you see Niall again. my daughter's the one that's standing there again. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up. I know. Um, so yeah, that was that was a really um, proud moment. So no, so no, it's, it's it's been great. You know, it's it's been uh, it's been up and down. That's what Sporting Aberdeen is. It's up and down. Absolutely. That, that's what it's saying up. Although the first year I started Sporting Aberdeen was eight nine ninety, we won the cup double, and you thought, hmm, you're like, yes, well. um, I've not seen the Scottish Cup since. <laughs> <laughs> and I've spoken to a few players of that year. I think what, what, what he's done to me, but um, I, I mean, I'm quite lucky in, in the job that I do as well. Um, that I actually kind of class a lot of uh, a lot of the ex players as as sort of friends. Um, so you Gothenburg greets so Neil oh. something stays just around the corner from uh, Jim Leighton. I'm good friends with um, Willie Miller. I'm, speaking terms with and that so um joey harper um is mike's Mm -hmm. idol and he's we're good friends with him as well so i'm quite lucky in that respect that uh and to me they're just guys and you know you can sit down with them and just you know just chat and you know we were i was actually in a box at potaudry two weekends ago three weekends ago and uh, willie garner and joey were in the box and honestly joey sat and spoke for like two hours about just football as friendships with Freddie Starr, which is a, another story. Um, <laughs> and just everything. And you just think I could just sit and, sit and listen for hours. Do you know what I mean? To these guys, they've got so many stories and they're so yeah. interesting. You know, it's, it's great. Exactly. Um, David asked um, the question. I think I know where you're going to go with this, um, judging by what you said on Twitter. Um, where do you think Aberdeen are going under glass downward or is a light at the end of the tunnel? Um. I can't see a light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. Um, I think, um, being very honest, I think it was the wrong appointment. I don't think France has got the experience that we needed as a, we're a massive club, we're a big club, sort of, you know, we needed somebody. It was proven. Yeah. Proven, yeah. We, we had a manager who was very consistent. Um, we had a manager who, for the first sort of five, six years that he was with us, was very, very good. Um, things obviously took a turn a couple of years ago things started to not be as good and the football started getting a bit um, not as good to watch and stuff and, and we, we kind of slid down the table a bit but when you say slid down the table we slid down to fourth which yeah. you know we had set our own standards and we were failing to keep our own standards I think where we've gone wrong here is we've appointed somebody with, without the experience needed of Scottish football because yeah. it is a game in itself, you know. It's uh, Scottish football. Yeah. Very. It's been away for a while. Mm-hmm. It's been away for a while, um, 
And he didn't, if they were going to appoint him, they should have appointed him with somebody who did have experience. So the likes of Stephen Gerrard had, you know, experience with him. Um, I think Stephen Glass has taken on Alan Russell, who had experience in Scottish football, again, years ago. Mm-hmm. Henry Apollo, who doesn't. Scott Brown, who does, but is done doing a kind of dual I really role. care. God's sake. <laughs> like no one thinks of that. No, exactly. I met men's club did want to hire her. I remember yeah. years ago. Yeah. She's got she's had a year for pro license more than most of the she'd been be- she would have been better. <laughs> she'd have been better than Stephen Glass. So no, I, I think the recruitment in the summer was awful. There was a couple of <coughs> a couple of sort of okay um signings. The recruitment in January has been pretty woeful. Um, so no, I mean we're, we're sitting seventh at the moment, um, which is terrible. Although in saying that, we're only four points off fourth place with a game in hand, which goes to show you how bad the league has been. Um, so we're 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 probably quite lucky that Hibs have been as rubbish as we have been. Um, so it's it's now we're in a weird place just now. There's a lot of discontent. There's a lot of unrest. Um, something needs to change. Um, to me, there's only one thing it can change, um, but yeah. I don't think that decision will be made anytime soon. The thing is, yeah. like you want, if you want to cut your teeth as a manager, you know, if you look at Shelley Lowland League, you know, Shelley used to scout for loads of men's teams, yeah. mm-hmm. but you don't cut your teeth at a major club like Aberdeen. I just couldn't, no. couldn't believe the appointment at no. all. I just thought no. that's such a big club; it deserves someone who can actually make a difference. Yeah, um, and I think it needed somebody with gravitas as well. I think it needed somebody with, you know, I, I, you know, you look at our previous manager who I think influenced a lot of people to actually sign for Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And I look at Stephen Glass and I think, would, would that, does he have the same influence? And I don't think he does. I don't think he's got the same gravitas. People won't know what he's like. They won't know what a kind of manager is. They just won't yeah. know. I mean, Eric was very good in the media as well. Um, he had a lot of influence with the media. He had, you know, and, and he, he knows so many people in Scottish football, mm. whereas Stephen doesn't. Now, we've got a director of recruitment now because obviously, you know, the jobs have been allocated elsewhere. Um, but um, nobody's yet to see Darren Mowbray. I actually don't know if he exists or not. <laughs> I think he's a figment of somebody's imagination. He's probably not been in Aberdeen. Um, probably... I don't know where he's been. <laughs> I don't know. Normally they get wheeled out for an interview when they kind of like start, but he's never been wheeled out for an interview. But yeah, he's Tony Mowbray's brother. Well, who knows? I mean, as we're recording this, it's the night before. Um, and when this um, goes out, we'll have played Celtic. No, let's not go. How cool is Angelo? I watched the Celtic game, um, the, the two Celtic games, and I said to Mike, I said, if we're not about 3 0 down by half time, Larks will be doing really well. If we can actually keep the score to about 2 or 3, like nil or whatever, because I can't see a score against them, I think that'll actually be a decent result. Other than that, we're going to get absolutely horsed. My dad's a Hearts fan, and uh, he used to take me to see Hearts. John Robertson is my all-time favorite. Oh, I love him. And, uh, yeah, he was gutted the other night. Um, but it's funny because I got my dad the signed Robo book for his part of his Christmas. 
And my friend, uh, I've known for years, Scott Gardner, who's um, Inverness Cali, I sent him a message because he's good friends with, with Robo. And I said, I said, I texted with my dad on Christmas Day with the book. <laughs> and uh, Scott, like an hour later, sends me back a video message from Robo on Christmas Day. Oh. Hi, Hamish. I'm really, I'm really, my dad's called him, really delighted that you love my book. Hope you have a great Christmas. And I was like, oh, my dad, oh, like, oh. brilliant. <laughs> How did you get that? And he's like, we're having Christmas dinner with him. <laughs> I was like, how cute was that? He was so chuffed. That's when footballers do the right things. Love Robo. And we started off when footballers doing the wrong things and we brought it back down to footballers doing the right oh, things. Oh, we totally you, you, you know how I felt a year ago when, because um, uh, obviously it was my 40th during um, lockdown. Happy birthday. Um, yeah, last year. Thank you. Before <laughs> I went tomorrow, um, and uh, you know, she got because we're on lockdown. It was birthday messages from like family and friends, etc. And then Ian Jess pops up. I thought, thank you. Oh, <laughs> I know. And and because he was cool. my idol, him and Brian Irvin from the day. So um, yeah, yeah, that was um, that was tremendous. You know, I mean, Celtic tomorrow. I mean, I I watched their two games, and I must admit, not being a Celtic fan, but one of the most exciting Celtic teams I've watched for a long time. Mm. Sadly. Amy, yours must be pleased right now. Oh, it's just a dream right now. <laughs> look, at our, look at our beaming smile. It's by far, it's by far the most creative Celtic uh, I've ever seen. Um, I've got to really see Martin and Neil's side. Um, mm. I was too young. Mm. I, um, there's, there's no denying Postal Cogley plays better football than what Brendan Rodgers played. Brendan Rodgers could grind out results and by no means, I'm not one of the ones to still call him a snake or whatever, you know. I'm... <laughs> I can't really be off for that oh, kind you of get pumped the other night, didn't you? Exactly. You, so, yeah, you have to smile when that comes <laughs> yeah. through. Um, but no, the the intensity right now, I don't know if this has been matched in Scottish football, you know. And I, you I, haven't I, even got Kyogo in that aren't playing. Exactly. He's not even, he's not even at, the he's miles away. You know, Julienne's miles away, who yeah. until eight months ago was our best centre half. Um, David Turnbull, again, who was probably one of the only shining night shining lights of uh, last year's catastrophe he where does he fit into the squad you know right now you're kind of looking you're fighting between Tom Rogic and um, and Matt O'Reilly so where does David Turnbull fall, fall into that frame the the depth and the turnaround and um, the rebuild that's took place since August is you know astronomical how lovely yeah. is he though how lovely is a coach like I remember yeah. when he first came in I said what's this guy going to be like I know what a great guy like you can just tell he's a decent man people not players and the importance of football and, and on, our, on our mental health as a society and just the, the importance you know and uh, rightly as Carol said you know we started this saying like how footballers you know have done wrong but this is now how the, the good that football can do and Ange understands that and he you know he will I pass that message along at every single opportunity and I think he's a, a breath of fresh air in the Scottish football. And, and this is what I was trying to say to somebody the other day as well about us signing Stephen Glass. You know, I, I had never heard of Ange Postacoglu before I had across here. Mm-hmm. How many other managers are out there in the world that we could have signed yep. over Stephen Glass that had more experience? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now, obviously, mm-hmm. Ange Postacoglu was quite big in world football and he was well known over in Australia so maybe somebody not quite as as high profile as that but there's bound to have been thousands of managers out there we could have signed they must have that unique pool of knowledge that you know like Postacoglu has in Japanese football there's got to be someone else who maybe has it in you know I don't know Turkish football or Australian football or something you know there's going to be these guys out there but you just need somebody to go and look at it 
Yeah, exactly. And um, it's something that you touched on, Vivian, um, about Shelley Care, because um, obviously since um, she's left the Scotland job, what, um, 14 months ago, um, the only things that she's been doing is punditry and um, consulting England. <laughs> but... she act- yeah, she's actually a full-time yeah. uh, member of the technical team at the English FA now, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, I was down, I'm really good friends with Shelley, and I was actually down with work a few weeks ago, um, staying at the Belfry, which was lovely, but we were in a meeting room for uh-huh. two days, and I was walking to a reception after breakfast, and I was like, I recognise that here. <laughs> and I was like, Shelley, what? She's like, what are you doing here? So she was there for like a meetings for two days with the, the, the FA team. Um, so yeah, I mean, there she's doing really well. Like you know, they they've got massive budgets and very invested in in the whole women's game. You know, it's it's unrivaled. Lost in Scottish football, hundred gazillion percent. Shelley is like one of the most, you know, she's one of the most humble, knowledgeable uh, people out there. I'd- I interviewed her a week before she uh, that that role was announced. Message going well. You never told me that exclusive. <laughs> um, and obviously she did. She accepted that role at the time. Obviously, one of the questions I asked her, like, right, what's like, what's next for Shelley Care? You would never have known that she was sitting on a job, mm-hmm. a job acceptance of that magnitude, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, she was just outstanding. And again, she was one of the in-person interviews. She drove through, um, obviously we're in Dalkeith, but she used to play for, for Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, she knew the area. Well. And we moan, we moan about the, you know, the, the in the qualifying campaign when we were, you know, we get against Finland, right? Mm-hmm. Half those players didn't want to, I mean, that was in the middle of a pandemic. The amount of players that, from my take, that didn't want to play. In, in these qualifiers because it was right in the middle of the pandemic you know and you know whatever one nil you know shipping one goal yeah it was very disappointing but I think she's at you know and I and whether whether I, I love her to bits or not you, you can just tell what a good coach she is and I would like to see her in men's football and I would like to yeah. see her as an assistant to start well, with well, yeah that's what I was going to um, come on to is that you know there was lots of managerial positions like for example Falkirk were going through a few and, and stuff yeah, like that and um you know, the thing that was going through my head was, why don't they ask the question of Shelley Kersh? I mean, because all right, she might not be able to take a Scottish Premiership job. Maybe not. Maybe she could. But certainly, mm-hmm. Championship to League 2, she could definitely do a job. Why were teams not asking no. the question? You know, it's, even... It's, 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 they're not... They're not, uh, they're not brave but female enough. coaches in general are... Yep, you don't see a first-team coach or an assistant yeah. on any ridiculous. of the men's clubs. It's ridiculous. And, and if you look at her pedigree and what I mean a lot of people don't know that that Shelley is you know used to scout for a whole range of teams in the UK and I remember when she had completed her UEFA pro license and when she was at Arsenal she was showing me you know I was like so what what do you do you're training and all that and she's showing me like these slides and slides and slides of, of everything she's just such a football brain and I think it shouldn't we shouldn't be talking about clubs being brave hiring a woman you're hiring a coach yeah. And you know, they would rather sort of like use the whole merry-go-round of the normal Scottish football managers that kind of go in and out of jobs names, rather know. than actually mm-hmm. go, do you know something? What about trying something different? Because mm. it would be different. Because you did in the Lone League. And whoever <laughs> did it first would be like pioneering to do it. Mm-hmm. But why not? Yeah, exactly. Well, studying a degree at the same time, by the way. Yeah, yeah, she did to the degree, but I mean, Sterling Uni were bottom, second bottom 
when she took them over and then they were like top three. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, I think, um, I don't know, I'm not a coach, but, you know, I think maybe, you know, sometimes managing guys is maybe easier than than coaching women at times. I don't know. I'm not a, I coach junior hockey. I used to, you know, tiny little kids uh, are much easier, I think, than, than coaching uh, a women's team, <laughs> I think. Um, so who knows? I mean, I think it, it needs to happen for me. It needs to happen. Yeah, hopefully um, uh, sometime down the line we'll see more female coaches within um, the or a female coach in the men's game in Scotland and more black coaches as well because yeah. we really had Kevin Harper and stuff as well. So that's yeah. um, but it's got to be in merit. It's got to be. We will need yeah. to say that. You know the, the amount of people that you see in positions, and I'm like, who's that? What's their pedigree? Yeah, like they don't have a pedigree. They've done like one thing and they're related to someone else who's in football. You want to bring people in that have got a pedigree and, and can show what they've done. If you look at, you know, I didn't, I forgot that Shelley started off in junior football. You know, my dad's on the committee at Pollock and Pollock, oh. not junior. Yeah. So he's, uh, and my mum does the teas on a Saturday. Most important <laughs> job. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I forgot Shelley started off in junior football yep. as an assistant coach. Now, who's cut their teeth like that as a woman <laughs> or even yeah. as a man in junior football was bonkers. I, you know, some of the games you go to, you're like, I don't think fans are meant to jump on the opposing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mad health risk. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Well, this has been a, a terrific chat, but we need to end it at some point. But we'll um, round off with um, what we call slow fire questions rather than quick fire. Um, and given they'll see you, this might take a bit of a while. Um, so, first of all, what's your favourite football food? We Wing- usually ask favourite pie, but um, not everyone goes for Wing that. Guns. I don't like pies. Wine gums. Wine gums. Like a steak yeah. pie. Just steak wine gums. Pie. Something to go along with. I, I would say like a really nice steak pie with brown sauce. Same with me. No, like the I like the pollock pie is nice. It's from local butcher. I like a killy pie as well. Just nice steak, lots of gravy and brown sauce. Well, Amy, I think you'll be very much minority when you say wine gums at the football. But hey, unique. <laughs> as long as you're happy, that's me. <laughs> Um, and uh, right here's a new one that we've started, uh, started to roll out um, so if um, you were all hosting a dinner party and you had to invite four guests from the world of football who would you invite and why anyone can go first jeez oh I think about that uh... dead or alive <laughs> well prefer... alive what a mix do you want, do you want a mix? mix I'm just filling in like right, I'll go for Maradona I think Maradona, because he'd be a complete nutter as he and quite a good laugh, and he can dance as well. Um, I would go for Jose Mourinho, because I think he would be pretty interesting to listen to. You're a fiery dinner. I know. Um, I would have David Beckham, so I could just sit and stare at him all night. Mm. Um, and I would probably have um, Alec Ferguson. That's a good bunch. This is where you've got a trusting husband. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I think I would go for like John Robertson, obviously. <laughs> uh, Walter Smith, mm. love to hear. Love to hear. I know. Oh. I would invite Rose along because she'd love a lot. And then oh, fourth one's difficult. Um, ooh. Stevie Nichol. Oh, a left field's interesting choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was an amazing winger. 
everyone, if you look at, I've got his book, and if you look at his, uh, what he actually achieved in his career, and uh, played for Scotland, Liverpool, when they, you know, in those days, they won all silverware. And then actually, if you look at um, uh, the, the Hillsborough stuff, you know, he was really, really, mm-hmm. really, you know, so I, really interesting bloke. I'd like to chat to him a bit more about his career. He's on ESPN now. But he was a great player that was just dead solid. Like he was always in the squads. Oh, you know, I used to, when I watched Scotland, he was always in the wing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. In the same way that um, Carol would have David Beckham, I would have Joe Ledley, but I wouldn't because I'd be too scared. Like if I made a mess myself eating and I just wouldn't want him to see me like having. <laughs> so I won't have Joe Ledley and uh, he can take me out for drinks instead. Um, and I would have Jock Steen, Bertie Oliver, oh, yeah, yeah. and Rose Riley. Paul McStay. Paul McStay. Yeah, that's a good one. Again, what a great player. He's so, yeah. like, people don't mention Paul McStay. I know, he's a like, great player. An amazing player. Yeah. An amazing so, um, yeah. yeah. And what would be the main meal that you would serve? I'm, I'm such a, well, I don't eat pies. Like, I'm such a fussy eater. <laughs> so it would be like a chicken dish. But I wouldn't cook it. I think David would be happy with anything because apparently Posh Spice only eats, what was it, grilled <laughs> fish and vegetables. <laughs> yeah, <you> must. <laughs> He'd be happy with a steak and chips. Give him that. <laughs> I, I think like a nice steak and a nice kind of red wine, I think, would be down well. Yeah. Just taking the next question, what's your favourite tipple? Not necessarily for the dinner part for your guests, just in general for you Do ladies. You know, you know Prosecco. What? Depends what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> Prosecco or gin. I, <laughs> or I, I, didn't, I didn't used to like gin until about 10 years ago and now I absolutely love gin. I've got a gin collection now. And I, I've got a gin collection. I love it. I love so, it. I'm my gin shelf. What's your favourite uh, flavour of gin right now? So, I like um, rhubarb and rhubarb. Rhubarb, yeah. yeah. I, like, I love that. The, so you see if you get the rhubarb um, liqueur and then you put Prosecco in it, that's yes. where you drink it. So put Prosecco in it, it's amazing. Kintyre yeah. um, yeah. gin, I really like Kintyre gin. Try that, it's delicious. It's just like normal gin, but it's just got a really nice, it's lovely. Valencia um, orange is nice. Yeah, I had that. It was lovely. Oh, I've not had that. Yeah. I've not had that. I had aviator gin. I had one. I had a gin tonic with dinner. It's aviator gin. It's an American gin. It's actually lovely. Oh, yeah. I've really. yeah, has been a phenomenon yeah. recently. Yeah. It's, it's easy, 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 easy to make. I went to Esker gin, um, which is down beside uh, St. Cyrus, kind of down the coast. Um, and got shown around, um, and it's just dead easy to make because they just buy yeah. in the alcohol and just add whatever they need to add to it. Um, and it's been a phenomenal success. Um, and uh, during the multiple lockdowns that we've had, and hopefully there's no more, um, what was um, your um, go to box sets or series that you would um, watch? Absolutely rinsed Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Shit's Creek. Oh, that's funny. Um, that's funny. Oh, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Good one again. It's so so funny. And again, rewatch Dairy Girls. One and oh, I love that. <laughs> oh. and, and and then I, I love crime books and I love like crime. So what we watched tons of 
Like I can't even I can't even remember half the stuff. Can't remember Gandhi, the Gandhi exactly. crime uh, stuff. What was um one where it's the husband um kills the wife and the kids watch that one and oh and, yeah that was horrendous but and it's a real story yeah. and the big yeah yeah and a big, big container thing, thing. Oh. Yep. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but I can't remember the name of any of them but I watched them all and all of those like. Um, making a murderer. Yeah, there's just that sadistic side that they're so addictive. I listen to a lot King. of true crime podcasts. Tiger like King. Tiger King. King. <laughs> 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 the last two, last couple of questions um, are, fo- are actual football related. Um, so, what's your um, what's your favourite um, catch news team? Vivian, I never asked who your club team was because um, so we'll go for Scotland for you. So, yeah, she's a good squad. Yeah, I'm absolutely impartial. Uh, do you know what? I think my dad's a Hearts fan. Uh, my sister was a, a Rangers season ticket holder. Uh, I'll, you know, when, when my old job years and years and years ago, like 20 years ago, we sponsored Kilmarnock. I, I just like going to games, no matter mm-hmm. who it is. You know, my, obviously, if I'm watching Hearts with my dad, I'll usually support Hearts, apart from when they get hammered 5 0. <laughs> um, yeah, Paulette Juniors, or although they're not juniors anymore, uh, I go and see them as well when, when I can too. So. What's your favourite um, Scotland kit? Um, I like the Spain 82. Good show. Yeah. Like that, I've got that because I, I got given that, and then I think my aunt and uncle were in Spain during that, and they brought me back a Spain strip. Mm-hmm. So I had that. I had my Scotland one, and I had a Spain strip too that I used to kick about in when I was a tiny child. Um, so I quite like that. Quite like that. Although the, from the women's side, I like, I liked, I liked actually the pink shirt. Pink was lovely. I loved that. Yeah, was a good that. I really liked that one actually. Um. Yeah, I think I, I like a, a lot of the retro ones, a lot of the older ones, um, definitely. Yeah. Amy, in terms of a Celtic one? Um, Favourite kit that I've, again, I love all the retro ones. So I love like anything pre my birth. Um, I think that's when kits like they were just a better quality. I think everything was just, they were so crisp. But for me, it was a uh, 125th anniversary. 2012-13 season it was black but it was the tricolours on the sleeve when you flick that up and I just mm-hmm. loved that um, like beating Barcelona season um, it was a good time to be it was Neil Lennon's successful Celtic period so um, it was it was fond memories but that kit I think any black kit you know Celtic have got a black kit still going around and now there's something so classy about a, mm-hmm. a black kit you just can't go wrong yeah and Carol from an Aberdeen perspective I can't remember the year of it but it was uh, it was the one that actually looked like the one we had three years ago that had the V-neck and it had the black in it, the, the V-neck. Mm. And I actually got a, one of my friends collected oh, the Um And he's got like, I sell, I sell it at Rangers Aberdeen. And he actually gave me Jim Betts top wow. to the cup final oh. where we got beaten by Celtic. Amy, thanks very much. Um, <laughs> So right, that cup final is banned from this <laughs> chat. It's brought it's all the time. <laughs> we always get beaten by Celtic. It's just remembering which year it was. Um, so, so, so yeah, it was the, it was um, Jim Bet's actual top. And t- let me tell you this: Jim Bet was quite slim because it was very tight. And- Did you sniff the armpits? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Don't watch it. laughs> and my husband actually got the Alec McLeish's JVC one for the same game. 
So yeah, it was brilliant. I had to give them back, so he wanted them back for his kick. That's a shame. But yeah. at least you got to wear it for a day. <laughs> um, and the final question, the showstopper. So you were each asked to um, come up with a six to side team. So Vivian, you were Scotland, Amy, you were Celtic, um, and Carol, you were Aberdeen, always from your lifetime from when you first started getting into football to now. So Amy, as I said to you in private message, you cannot have Henry Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uncalled for. A shame that you weren't older, Amy. You could have had him. Exactly. Like, <laughs> was, was a three and a half, four when he left? I'm sure I was so aware. Um, oh, yeah. So is it me? Sorry. Anyone? Is it uh, women's? Amy. Is it a women's team or a mixed team? Either. I went mixed. Mm, I went mixed. So mm. I had Gemma Fee in goal, uh, and then I went a one-two-two. Um, <laughs> Van Dyke, Brown, Tierney, Fleet, and Dembele. And it's destroying any other team. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> see what others have got. Uh, I had Jim Leighton in goal. Oh, so did I. This <laughs> <laughs> is teeth. Um, and then <laughs> I got Shelly Kerr. I then had um, Stephen Nicholl. I then had kind of midfieldy striker Ern Cuthbert with Julie Fleeton and John Robertson up front. That's a deadly team. That could give Amy's winner a game to be fair. Ah, nah. John Robertson's <laughs> getting past uh, Virgil and Dyke. But Carol, no pressure. <laughs> Yours is an Aberdeen team. This has got to be good. Well, there's really only kind of one Aberdeen team you can pick. So I had to go with Leighton and I had to go with Miller and McLeish. Uh, then I actually went with Jim Bett and I went with Tati Cooper and I went with Ian Jess. Yeah, that's when it. That's when that's, that's <laughs> sorry, that's blown you through the window. I think they would be very good games to be Jim, fair. Jim's going to have to play a half for each team though because he's in Matty Manuel. <laughs> Same <laughs> with Julie Fleeting and stuff. As well. yeah. a, a leg either side of the halfway line. <laughs> Half and half kits. No, let's not no. let's not go there. No. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a culture I just can't get into. Um, I, but I had a full six. Do you want to hear my full six women's team? Go for yeah. it. Right, Jenna Fife in goal. Billy right. Kerr, Rhonda Jones, Erin, Julie Fleet, and Suzanne Grant. Suzanne Grant. Suzanne, Suzanne has yeah. scored. She just scores for fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, she retired too early. Yeah. How old is she? She went to sign for Aberdeen. She's late 30s, maybe. Right. She's late 30s, maybe. 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 She's She's late 30s, given more support when she had kids, I think she would still be playing for sure. Yeah. She's um she's hopefully coming back on this podcast. I mean, well, she hasn't been on yet. The interview get cancelled, but I know that will happen at some point. So nice girl, Suzanne. Yeah. Uh, listen, girls, this uh, ladies, this was um this was great fun. Um we could we could have gone on all night or I'll need to get you back on for an individual interview to get um <laughs> more about you because I feel so we've raced through but we'll have to end it tonight. Um but listen thanks very much for coming on. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us.